0: Hello, and welcome to the Player to Prospect podcast. The following episode features a conversation with Matt Durka, who is the head coach at Lewis and Clark College, located in Portland, Oregon. If you enjoy the episode, as much as I enjoy talking with Matt, then please share the episode. Just tell someone about it. Word of mouth goes such a long way. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Matt Kozderka. Well, okay, so actually, I should ask first um, how you know Scott uh, Laverty. Cause he was the one who suggested yeah. you. So uh, yeah, I am, probably, I am kind of curious. I don't know if we'll we put this do, in, but uh,
1: there's a, a group called Showball that does a lot of showcases down at Chapman's field. And so I got mm, to them. Okay. School, I was coaching in And then, uh, I mean, I've gone to that event a, a ton of times and different events down at, at Chapman. So just kind of seen him and got to know him that way. And,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah, so that's just kind of how the relationship started. So, okay. Uh, it's, and it's a small cycle of uh division three coaches on the West coast. So you all kind of get to know each other.
0: Yes. I was going to ask about that because I know you guys have like different conferences and each conference is how big again, like how big is your conference or league? So we have nine teams in our
1: conference and the sky okay. I think, has eight or nine too. I don't know the exact number for them, but it's, it's a okay. similar
0: picture. Yeah. It's not that big though. And there's, then there's a whole plethora of D threes, you know, everywhere else. Right. Yeah. The West coast is pretty isolated and it's
1: caused a lot of problems in terms of, Postseason mm. and that kind of stuff, and you know, yeah. everybody talks about East Coast bias and that kind of stuff. The, most of the D threes are either in the middle of the country or out on the East Coast, so
0: okay, you know, it's natural that those things happen, I think. And where were like the regionals champ, like the national championship? Where was that held this year? uh
1: So our regional that we went to was in Alabama. Um, okay, the West regional was in Marshall, Texas. So uh, Cal Lutheran went there. Pacific was in our conference. Went there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Trinity and East Texas Baptist played in that one, and then we got sent with Laverne uh, out to Alabama to play Birmingham Southern and Franklin, which is from Indiana. And then the championship, okay, yeah, yeah, the championship was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa this year, and then next year it's moving to like a suburb of Cleveland, I think, for the next couple of years. So,
0: okay, and you guys, you guys made it this year. I mean, th- was yeah. this the first time you guys made it this year in a little while? Uh, yeah, I remember uh, yeah, Scott been, telling me a little bit it's about. Been, that. It's been a long time.
1: So last year was the first winning season we've had in 27 years. And then this oh, year, wow. the first time we made the postseason in 33 years, so uh, it's it's been yeah. a long time. Um, the program struggled for a long time, and um, it's been awesome to see kind of the the metamorphosis of you know the things that we tried to do, and the kids come together, and uh-huh. uh, it's awesome to see our kids get rewarded for all the work they put in.
0: Yeah, let's start there because you came in in 2017. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, 2018. We year seven,
1: so yeah, it was 2018.
0: I believe was uh, a 2018. For, yeah. Okay. And what was the program like when you came in? What would what was the, I mean, obviously when you were coming in, you knew what you were coming into, but can you just like lay that out for me? Like what that was like? Yeah, we had, uh, you know, obviously
1: not a lot of success in the program uh, when I got here right. and, and I had pushed against them and, you know, played against them a long time ago too. So I knew
2: mm-hmm.
1: about the program, um, but uh, we haven't been able to find a way to kind of get the guys we needed to and get those guys together enough to, to play at a level that was competitive in the conference. And, you know, our first couple of years, we struggled with that as well. Uh, we had some really mm-hmm. great kids and great, great people, but uh, you know, we needed to continue to upgrade our roster to get guys who are really going to help us get to that level. And it took a little while to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, for our guys to kind of buy into some of the pillars of our program, and really kind of ingest those. And then when we started to do that, we started to make small progresses every year. And, you know, unfortunately COVID happened and kind of derailed us when we'd kind of maybe, just gotten over the hump for the first time, but, uh, hmm. you know, obviously last year was a, a big breakthrough for us. Our first winning season in a long time. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this year we just continued to to add on to that. And, uh, you know, our goal every year is to try to get to the commerce tournament. It was the first time it actually happened this year. And then whatever happens after that happens. And, you know, fortunately for us, we were able to make it happen in the commerce tournament and get through it and, and have a chance to go to the regional and won the first game. And, you know, probably didn't play as well as we could have the second day and hmm. we got knocked out, but obviously, uh, a great step for us and now uh, the challenge is definitely trying to stay there yeah uh, like the major leagues right you know it's difficult to get there but it's more difficult to stay and so you know yes uh, at a school like
0: ours that's difficult to recruit to um it's a great challenge for all of us and so
1: we're excited to see what we can do in the future
0: okay so you said it's difficult to recruit to and that was one of the main things i wanted to ask about why do you think it's difficult you know for you guys to recruit players yeah. to your school
1: I think just talking uh, amongst our conference and amongst the West Coast schools and even in the national okay. for us. Yeah. Uh you know our, our it's a very high academic school so you have to have a really good GPA to get in. So I can go to most showcases and events and probably cross off 75% of the kids because their GPAs aren't high enough.
0: Uh, okay, yeah. The way
1: we do our financial aid. It's an expensive school as well. So financial aid is based off your GPA as well. So, you know, the higher end GPA kids are the kids were going to get the most money and had the better chance of being able to afford the school. And so mm. those are the kids that everybody else is fighting for as well, right? Some of the big elite schools in the country that, um, you know, are out there, the Ivy league, some of the the NESCAC schools, uh, obviously schools like Claremont Pomona that are really high academic. They're looking for those same kind of kids and okay. all for those kids. And we hadn't been good enough in the past to really get those kids to come to our school. And so we started mm. to break through on some of those guys. Now we're starting to get a little bit more attention from those guys. And uh, obviously, like I said, we have to continue to, to, to show that we can compete at that level to get that kind of for them. But there's a lot of great things happening yeah. here. You know, in, in addition to the wins, you know, we're redoing our facility this year. Uh, it's going to be oh, a multi- okay. project, you know, $5.5 million project, which is going to be a, a kind of a game changer for us in terms of development yeah. and those kind of things. And, uh, you know, I, I think we've always offered a pretty uh, pretty well-rounded college experience for our kids. It's something we've really tried to focus on, and not just to be about baseball in school, but also, Talk mm-hmm. about career preparation, talk about personal growth, all these kind of things that maybe are a little bit different than some other programs. Yeah. Uh, but now obviously the baseball's on par with everything else we're doing as well.
0: Okay. So you said five and a half million dollar project. I mean, I'm just, you know, going by the law of averages here. It must be kind of difficult to raise that kind of money yeah. and, you know, put that project into effect. How does that, you know, come to fruition at yeah. your school? It was definitely a difficult one. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you know,
1: uh, we have we have a coach Gatto was a legendary coach at Lewis and Clark, uh, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, he passed away from leukemia a couple of years ago. And a lot of his alums um, back in the glory days of Lewis and Clark in 1990, when they went to the World Series and were really good back then, I wanted to honor him, and we were trying to upgrade our field. And so I had some people come to me about, hey, you know, let's do like a turf infield and rename the field after him, and and then mm-hmm. it, it blew up into this big project where. The whole thing's going to be terrifying. New bleachers and new dugouts and the same happening for our softball field as well. So hmm. um, it got a lot bigger. Obviously, it took a long time, right? We had some plans drawn up. We'd started our fundraising. And then again, COVID kind of got in the middle of that and and changed some things that we were able to do. And obviously, prices have gotten uh, pretty crazy and out of hand a little bit, too. So we've had to scale some things back a little bit. But um, really, to be honest with you, you, know Jack, the the best thing about this whole project, in, in addition to what it's going to do for us, is that it's, it's demonstrated that our school administration is willing to, you know, put their their backing behind uh, not only athletics but also our, our program and softball programs as well. It's yeah. allowed us to add two sports. We've been able to bring men's soccer back, add women's lacrosse, which is exciting. Um, hmm. And so obviously, it, it took a long time. It took a lot of people. Um, it has not been easy, uh, I mean, and it's still not done yet. So you know, there's, there's still to be determined things out there. But you know, we're hoping that uh, we're going to start the project July 1st and hopefully be done. Uh, In the first part of January, so we can have it for our our season next year. So, yeah, it's it's gonna be a pretty amazing facility. You know, I I I think we've done as much as we can with the facility we have, Um, but you can only put so much you know lipstick on a pig. You you got (laughs) to eventually make that big jump, and our school's done a great job of uh, providing us that opportunity. And so we're super excited about that.
0: Well, and you guys being in Oregon too, I mean, all turf just makes sense from an upkeep standpoint, right? I mean.
1: Well, I, I think not just upkeep, but just feasibility of being able to be on the field. So yeah, playing. <laughs> the crazy thing about this year is we practiced on our field seven times before the the conference tournament. That was it. Uh, you know, the oh, entire. Wow. Team. So you know, we had to either go in our gym and hit in our cages, or go on the football field, or just hitting our cages at the field. So we really had to be adjustable and adaptable, which you know we're we're pretty good at in the Northwest. But uh, the fact that we now we can get on the field uh, not only for practices but games, and it's not going to be a determinant or whether we can get those things in, is going to be really big for our guys.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. You talked about these pillars, the pillars of you know your program, and I actually pulled up the little graphic that I've seen you tweet, yeah. uh, calling it the Pioneer Way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we break those down? Sure. I think it'd be really awesome too. Yeah. I'm seeing, I'm seeing five pillars mm-hmm. that you know build on this word success. Yeah. Um, just to kind of go over each one, let's start with the first one: outwork everybody. That's the first pillar. So, I mean, I know that sounds pretty simple, but in terms of like actually implementing that in your day-to-day process, like, like, can you just break that down for me?
1: Yeah, I think you have to go back even further. And, uh, like our main goal is our definition of success. I think it's a lot different than a lot of programs, right? So a lot of people look at like, Hey, I win games and that's success for us. Uh, those are things that we feel like you can't control all the time. Right. So Mm -hmm. uh, our definitions of success is kind of stolen from John Wooden a little bit, but, it's the ability to look in the mirror at the end of the day and say, based on what happened to me today, I got the most out of myself and the people around me, right? Mm. Um, that's what our guys can do every single day. And uh, you may have a, uh, a crappy day, right? And you only get 70% out of 100. But uh, if you get 70% out of 100 versus 30% out of 100, that extra 40% over time is going to allow you to to make a big difference and have a pretty great life, right? And so sure. those are the things we're always trying to get our guys to do. We want our guys to be able to do that every day. And uh, I knew if we are going to ha- have our guys try to accomplish that, We needed to have some steps to get there. Uh, So that's where the pillars come into play. So you you talk about outwork everybody, and I think this is what, for me, allowed me to get to where I got to go. You know, I came out of high school. I threw 81 to 84, and I told everybody I was going to play pro ball, and people laughed at me, and nobody really believed in me. And uh, I got, you know, pretty obsessed with what I was doing and put a ton of time into my body and working out and doing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wasn't going to let anybody outwork me. And, why you know, people were partying and doing stuff on, on Friday night. I was running laps around the school thinking about, somewhere in the country there was some guy who was trying to work me and I wasn't gonna let it happen and and so mm. we wanted our guys to definitely kind of have that mindset and it's definitely been something that's helped change our program right we've had some pretty good players in the last couple of years a guy like Jack Thompson was the national player of the year this year um you know like he's one of the hardest working kids I've ever had and yeah we didn't have that when we first got here it was kind of a um kind of a recreational kind of thing to really be in the weight room that kind of stuff and nowadays is the expectation not only of myself but of our players and I think there's another part that goes to that Jack uh that kind of kicked in a little bit later as I had some time to think about it. That's kind of how I, I kind of based my career, but um mm-hmm. the O part of it really stands for the literal part of O and that you owe it to all the people who have helped you every single day to get to where you are to give everything you have, right? Your yeah. parents, former coaches, you other people. And, and it's just that sense of accountability we want our kids to have that understand that you're not just representing yourself. Uh, nobody gets anywhere on their own. And so we want our kids to always feel like they're not only are they doing it for themselves, but they're doing it for everybody else who's helping get there too.
0: Yeah. And you meant, you're you talking about like really just the psychology of what, it, you know, a big lesson, honestly, that a lot of players have to learn in the psychological part of this game of you're just, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to like word it in the best way, but it's not all like, it's not all, you know, glitz and glamour. It's not going to be handed to you on a silver platter. You know, the work is about as, you know, it's like the only thing that you can really rely on to get you where you want to go. You can't, you can't just like be entitled, you know, you got to, you got to really like take, you know, like you're saying ownership of what you're actually doing. You got to look yourself in the mirror and say like, okay, I'm not good enough today. But what can I do right now, you know, to get better? And I'm not going to get, I'm not going to turn into a first round draft pick overnight, but I can, I can build those slow, you know, blocks to kind of get me there. Right. And I don't know, like, I I just feel like I've seen that a lot more, like kind of in younger players these days, you know, that not that I'm around a ton of younger players, but like, has that been something you've kind of perceived with like young players when they come in? like they kind of have to get that reality check maybe a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, I don't want to say it's a, it's a systemic issue, but uh, you know, I think especially nowadays with the travel ball where everybody kind of has that opportunity to play. And even in high school, I tell guys all the time when they come to our program, like, Hey, you've always had a place to play in high school. You had a freshman JV varsity team. You always had a spot, right? Mm -hmm. When you get to us, there's 30 guys and there's only nine on the field. So that's not going to be the case. And and I tell guys all the time, like, hey, you may be a, a really big recruit for us, but we have guys in our program that aren't going to give up that spot willingly, um, and you're going to have to beat them out for that. you know. And and that's really, I think, one of the keys to our success the last couple of years, Jack, is that our guys are willing to accept that challenge. They want that challenge, right? They're like, hey, man, mm-hmm. bring that guy. In. Let's go because I, I know that guy is going to make me better, and he's going to help me get to my peak ability. And, and not yeah. many kids want that, right? Everybody just kind of wants to go in and like, you know, people ask me. I'll tell them, like, "Hey, am I going to play right away?" I'm like, "Well, if you're good enough, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think you're good enough for I wouldn't talk to you, but you have to really come in and earn it." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I think kids have definitely changed. The specialization has definitely changed those kind of things, and and uh, you know, kids are starting to put more time into their their bodies and their training and that kind of stuff, which is good. You know, I think it's
2: yeah.
1: to, to reach higher levels, right? But uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely not for the faint of heart, like you said, and especially the D three level when you know a school like ours, that's very challenging. The school side of things is is hard enough. Yeah, then you. Put all the time in on your own and all that kind of stuff to, you know, in the weight room and all the, uh, you know, cages and those kind of things to be at your peak level. It's it's a challenge, and if you're not willing to work, I tell kids all the time. I told some recruits yesterday, like, if you're not willing to work as hard as you can, then in all the things you do, then this is not the right place for you. Yeah. Because um, that's gonna be my expectation. That's gonna be our players' expectation, and I have the, I want the players to have that expectation of myself and my coaching staff. Um, mm-hmm. If I'm not working hard enough, I want them to tell me the same thing, because then I'm not getting the most out of myself, and I'm being a hypocrite asking them to do the same.
0: I feel like it's kind of hard for younger players to kind of, to understand, you know, when they have been brought up in this, you're training all the time. Like you're, you're specializing for this. Cause you're trying to make it as far as you can possibly go. It's very individualistic, you know, in, just in terms of the way a player is brought up. And then you have this second player right here. That is we over me. Cause now you're brought into a team and it's like, look, okay, you're all superstars. Right. And then you come here and it's like, Hmm. Yeah. We don't care like if you bat 350, if we you know lose 35 games. Like that's not the goal here, guys. Like we are a team and we're trying to win. Like that's the goal. So I mean, can you just break down that, you know, the the second pillar, the we over me? Yeah, I think it's difficult, especially nowadays.
1: Um, uh, and it's, it's mainly our adults issue that we created this kind of me, 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 like look out for yourself kind of mentality, right? And it's it's not necessarily the kids' fault. Um, no I think when you get to you know, you're always trying to get to the next level. I think that's why that happens, right? When you're in high school, you're trying to get to college. Uh, when I was in college, I was trying to get to pro ball. Even when I was in pro ball, I was like, look, you know, counting pitches of other guys so I could see when I was going to pitch. And and yeah. I hated that mentality. I loved the college. I would go back to college baseball in a heartbeat over pro baseball because it was about team, right? Yeah. And, uh, I, think, and I think at our level, most of our guys know that their career is going to end when their their senior year ends. Um, they're going to do mm-hmm. something else. So really, it's about trying to come together and bring those guys together as a team. So yes, they have individual goals. I want them to have individual goals, but hopefully those individual goals are designed around making themselves the best they can be to help our team be better. And, um, you know, I I think that's, that's difficult to do. Uh, You know, lots of kids want, you know, even if they're not going to play professional level, they, they still think about themselves a lot of time and it's human nature. Right. But yeah, if we can start to think, have guys think about like, you know, looking past themselves and seeing the big picture and that's how we define leadership. I think that's, that's going to help them definitely as a baseball player but it goes way beyond that i think too jack like hmm. uh, you know they're going to be done with you know college baseball mainly like what 22 years old and they got another you know 60 70 years of life to live you know we want them to understand that the world's not just about them either right uh, yeah. we talk we do some service stuff through my service initiative and
2: hmm.
1: you know we we try to teach them that not everybody's as lucky as they are most of our kids come from you know pretty good home situations like you know financially they do pretty well most of the parents are still together they haven't had a ton of struggles uh, we want them to understand that not everybody's as lucky as us and that we need to find a way to make sure that we're trying to help as many people as we can at the same time. And that's why our definition of, of success is not just about, I got the most out of myself. It's I got the most out of myself and the people around me because um, mm, I can yeah, hit, yeah. Try to climb up as high as I can be, but I should try to lift people with me as I'm trying to do that. Just making the world a better place. Right.
0: Yeah. And it's something, at least from the player's perspective, they don't think about it as much. I know I didn't think about it as much. How, easy it is for you coaches to see that in players to see that guy who's helping out uh his teammates who's bringing him up you know getting his uh gears between innings and you know high-fiving him on the way in after scoring a run it's like they see that they see it all and it's the kind of guy that you guys are looking for and then on the flip side the guy who's not doing that and who's definitely all about himself kind of makes you iffy right about like do i really want this guy on my team do i want to have to go through the burden of changing his character you know and forcing him to do something he doesn't even want to do in the first place i mean
1: that's yeah, difficult i think it also has to be genuine too right It can't just be yeah doing it because i think the coach is watching you know and those are things that are hard to change and not to say that that uh, especially on the college level there's not a lot of growth that happens amongst our guys and, and mm-hmm. i've seen guys go from selfish to the more team driven, uh, I've seen it happen many times. But um, you know, we would definitely want those guys who are willing to put those, you know, those little extra efforts into their teammates. You know, I, I had a pretty good college career, but I hope our guys remember me more for the teammate I was than anything else, right? Because again, the records and all those things are going to be forgotten, you know, for the most part. Yeah. You remember, like, how did that guy make you feel? That's going to be, you know, something you remember more than you know how good a player they were. Um, yeah. You know, when somebody else is doing well, like you don't you don't remember them because. You know, you'd rather be that guy doing that. So you remember like, <laughs> how did that guy treat me? Um, and that's something we always want to have. And I think that's one thing that really yeah. helped our team is our chemistry where freshmen or seniors, like everybody gets along and and uh, everybody's
0: trying to look out for each other, which is, is difficult, but it's important. And that's where it starts too. It's yeah. like, if you're a freshman coming in and you have this great culture, it's like, oh, okay, no problem. Like, this is great. I mean, it's already set in yeah. stone. Like we know what to do. We understand what the style is and you know, it's easy, but it's hard to create that. Right. You know, so I would imagine since you came in, it's been a lot of creating that, that culture in the clubhouse. Right. Is that what it's, has that, you know, happened a lot or is that something you've made a focus since you showed up at Lewis and Clark?
1: Yeah. I think from day one, that was intentional to try to get everybody to kind of be on the same page and kind of have a, like you talk about the pioneer way before. Right. So yeah, we mentioned the pioneer way all the time, but just so guys kind of know like, Hey, this is, this is what we're about. This is how we're going to do things here yeah Um, it's definitely taken a while i think when you come into a program of guys who have had a different experience from different coaches like it it takes an adjustment to you right and and when you bring guys in it takes them a little time to get used to it and now that i've been around for you know six plus years i I think our guys have a pretty good idea and it's also taken some pretty exceptional individual people uh on our team to help do that right where like i said they're willing to look past themselves and like hey that guy's struggling over there i can go help that kid out or um, and it's not just about themselves as well, right, which is difficult. Again, when you're trying to do school at our school plus play football, and and your normal life on top of that, it can be all-consuming. So, again, being able to look past yourself is tough, but hmm. um, the guys that have done that have really kind of changed, like I said, the culture of our program. And, and nowadays our freshmen come in and, uh, you know, literally the day they move in, there's myself and like five or six other guys, and, you know, so for the very first time they step on campus, there's other teammates there supporting them, and uh, we always want our guys to feel like, you know, whether they're the top guy on the team or the 30th guy on the team that, you know, they get the same amount of love from everybody.
0: Let's go on to this third pillar right here, pride. And you have kind of an acronym for it. Preparation, responsibility, integrity, dedication every day. Yeah. That's a mouthful. That's a lot. Can we That's break that lot. down?
1: Well, it, it was all kind of based off uh, you know, something my father always told me. Uh, my father was okay. a, was a forester for Warehouser and would get up at four in the morning and go climb through. just this God awful, terrain did work at his job every day and he'd come home at five and you know either go work in the field or play with me and uh you know he always did things the right way even though he was tired and he always told me if you're going to do anything it better be worth putting your damn signature on excuse my language but um, (laughs) that's what i want our guys to do like if you're going to do something do it the best of your ability don't half as you know and and we we have a lot of different things we challenge our guys on that kind of go along with this. so uh, we have what's called the shopping cart challenge so if you go to the grocery store and you see a shopping cart that somebody left there, do you walk by it or do you grab it and put it back? Or if there's trash Mm. all around, do you walk by that trash or do you pick it up? Yeah. Uh, And there's many times that I myself, since I've challenged guys to do this, have walked by those things and stopped and came back because like, no, I told myself these guys have to do it. I have to just set that example. So again, those Mm. are just little things, but we're we're trying to help our guys uh, learn how to do things the right way, number one, but also find ways to separate themselves later on when they need to be know really good at their job they're trying to get jobs they're trying to have opportunities for them Mm -hmm. those little things can separate right somebody who's gonna you know is gonna do things right all the time that's something you can rely on that's something you can trust that's something you want in your organization if you're trying to hire somebody and um and i think just in life in general when people talk about people like you know i respect people who do things the right way all the time even if it's difficult um yeah as 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 the world has changed we've gotten a little bit more into you know inconvenience versus convenient and what's you know, usually the convenient one is the shorter one, but sometimes there's some things that get left out of that, you know, and it's not quite as good. And going back to our success definition, it doesn't quite mm-hmm. meet that. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of things in one, like you said, it's a big mouthful. But yeah, uh, like I said, we want our guys to be prepared. We want them to be responsible. We want them to have integrity and be
0: dedicated and
1: do it every day, not just when they feel like it.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. And I'm thinking I'm thinking about a lot of successful teams, famous coaches, like you mentioned, Wooden. I'm thinking of um god I cannot remember the Oklahoma softball coach's name right now but her whole deal is you know trying to build the women up to you know make them into like good people once they move on from the program because like you're talking about that is the actual important thing here is like okay yeah you could hit 350 and 15 bombs this year but it's like no one likes you on the team like in five years. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not going to get remembered the right way. It's just not, it's not what you want, you know, to be associated with your team really at all. Um, let's go on to this fourth, uh, the fourth pillar, the relentless energy and focus. Yeah. So okay. Um, Reef. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So what it is like, you know, I, I kind of got into this mentality when I started coaching at the college level because we played double headers, two nine inning games on Saturday, another one on Sunday which is exhausting. Oh, yeah. And sometimes it's four games on the weekends, right? So that's very difficult to, to be locked in. And I found myself as a coach not able to lock in for all 27 games we would play. And so we mm. started to talk to our guys about, like, having the ability to lock in when you needed to, but also it's also about kind of learning how to relax your mind so you're not worn out, right? Oh, um, yeah. Oh. You know, we always talk about, you know, one thing I learned when I was in Willamette uh, from Coach Schwick is that, you know, champions are made on Sundays. And that's totally true, right? The teams that are the lowest – focused and locked in on Sundays in our conference. So the teams that win those games and that leads to you getting opportunities to go to the conference tournament and so forth. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's important for our guys to understand those things, but also in just in general, uh, we always talk about, you know, as a father, you know, you come home maybe some days and you're totally worn out and you don't want to play with your kids. You just want to sit on the couch, but you have to be able to be in the right mindset to be a great dad too. And, and give your family the best of you, not the rest of you. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and so having relentless energy and focus, so being relentlessly focused when you need to be, but also, allowing yourself to to chill out and relax your mind sometimes so you can have that, that real, uh, relentless energy and focus when you need to. Um, it's a, t- it's a tough one, right? I still struggle with it mm-hmm. uh, with a phone. Now I mean, you can, you can waste a half hour of your life on a phone and, and no problem. So, uh, you know, so I think it's always difficult, but I know, uh, there's some things I made mistakes with and, and that's why I try to teach our guys through a lot is the mistakes I made. And as a father, I know there were probably times where I came home and I was tired and I didn't want to go play out with my kids and, you know or, or or spend some time with my wife, and that's that's not fair to them either. So, uh, again, most of our things we're trying to teach our guys are, are on the baseball field, but they're also things I think will carry over to their regular lives, and and hopefully, like you, you mentioned, like we're we're trying to build great people. And I always tell kids, yeah. if I make you a better baseball player, and that's all I do, I've really wasted your time in college. You know, this is a great time for you to really kind of grow as a person. And I'm not going to tell you how to do that, um, but I'm going to try to make sure that I I give you as many opportunities to try new things to figure out what exactly is uh, what you're all about.
0: And that kind of feeds into this last pillar, the control the controllable sort of thing. Because I mean, yeah, there's plenty of times I remember in my college career where I'm just too tired. I don't want to you know, do the homework. I'm going to put it off till later because I just need to sit and think or just like get my mind off the game and stuff. But it's like, no, you need to have the discipline because you can do it to get that work done now so that you're not stressing later. And then it snowballs into the rest of the thing. It's like, if you have that power, you know, that choice, the ability to make that choice, the right choice, more times than not, you should probably be making that choice, right? Yeah, and I think
1: uh, it has something to do with that, but I also think it's kind of focused on, like, the mental side of things for us, too.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: I, I've been around teams where, uh, you know, coaches will argue with an umpire, and, like, two innings later, they're still arguing with the umpire. Like, we, we just wasted two innings where we could have. yeah, kind of, like, hey, I can't do anything about that. Let's move on to the next pitch and the next play and try to get our guys to do that, too. Because mm. if we set that bad example, then our guys are going to do the same thing. And then, yeah. you know, I've seen games snowball a lot of the times there. And, I, and we we talk about traffic jams a lot. And especially nowadays with your traffic app, you know, you can see a traffic jam coming. Uh, but there's still a lot of people who see it coming and still drive into it. And they get stuck in traffic. And then they're all upset about it. And they, you know, maybe never get to their destination or they're really late to their destination. Or you can find a detour and try to get around it, right? So, yeah, so maybe me. you don't get there on time or maybe, you know, you're a little bit late. But at least you you found a way around it you didn't let yourself get locked into that 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 traffic jam and, and you know you, you can kind of move past it and again it goes back to our definition of success I mean, you know maybe you don't get 100% out of it but if i get 70% out of
0: it versus 30% out of it i'm going to have a lot better chance of being more successful in the long run so can we walk through some day-to-day stuff like sure. during the season of what you guys were kind of going through um, can, and you sort of mentioned the schedule already Uh, In terms of having a doubleheader on a Saturday and then playing Sunday, can you walk me through that little game schedule as well first? Yeah, what what it looks like for games for us? Yeah, just like on a week to week, because obviously, like uh, like in Division One, it's like okay, you just play a weekend series and maybe a midweek on a Tuesday. You know, like can you walk me through that as well?
1: Yeah, you know, so for us, uh, you know, Mondays are always our off days. um, Yeah, but still, the the tough thing about it is like. They don't really get a true off day. They still have to go to classes. They still have to do that yeah. stuff, um, you know. And then obviously we're going to practice Tuesdays through Fridays, and then you know Saturdays are long days if we're on the road. Uh, obviously that's a little bit difficult because we travel on Fridays. Um, you know, okay. but if we're, we're you know for at home then our guys are, you know, they're at the field at eight thirty in the morning, uh, you know, trying to get the field ready. Then we're taking batting practice. You know, other team takes batting practice. Then we got to go through infield, outfield, field prep, and those kind of things. And mm-hmm. like I said, if you play. You know, our games this year, every game felt like it lasted three and a half hours because there were so many runs scored in our game. So and that's seven hours of baseball on a weekend. So uh, it's a yeah. difficult, like I said, it's, it's a difficult time to really be locked in during those things. But um, like I said, I, as we've gotten better at it, our guys are kind of better about handling all that kind of stuff. You know, the nice thing is that because academics is so important at our level and our school and the division three level that you know, we yeah. don't play during the week very much. So we don't miss class very often. I think we miss like three days of class a year. So um, okay. that's so important that our kids are in class. They're taking advantage of those opportunities and, um, and it's still, like I said, that having the
0: academics be the number one focus at all times. Yeah, that is really nice, I guess, too, because it also probably allows your players to get a little bit more rest between, you know, games or whatever. Because frankly, during, you know, the later part of the seasons, it's like it's all hands on deck for whatever you need to do in order to feel good that day. Um, do you guys like take that into account as well? Like once you get toward the end part of the season, especially after, you know, winning 30 games and then ma- getting it to a regional uh yeah you know I, I think obviously as the
1: season goes along you start to realize that the school is going to get harder you're moving towards finals midterms those kind of things yeah. guys are more worn out so mm-hmm. you have to pay attention to those things and obviously we try to give them a little more time off and um and obviously the practices get shorter and shorter and the, the work gets maybe a little bit less i mean you can only do so many bunk coverages and that kind of stuff right at the end of the year yeah uh, yeah more than anything you're you're in that maintenance mode by the end of the season so those are definitely things you have to pay attention to you know like guys can get worn out and uh, you may know, have some guys playing summer ball now and they're like man i'm Really feeling that extra month of the season that we had, um, and so yeah, I get it. And so, uh, like I said, the good thing is that we experienced it now, and so now they know what to expect. And the expectation is going to be we're we're back yeah. in the regional single year, so um, our, our guys will adapt to it. But we definitely have to be uh, aware of what it takes for our guys to feel as good as possible on those days. Things yeah. that we talk about a lot, you know, we talk about the sleep side of things. Uh, mm. Like I said, also, we're fortunate that our guys, you know, they have a strength coach or somebody who really helps them do things the right way, and and maintaining that strength
0: throughout the season is difficult, but uh, our guys do a pretty good job of it. So are you guys a team that does do the 6 a.m. lifts in the fall? Because uh, yeah, I I feel like a lot of teams have been shying away from that, honestly, because of their prioritizing sleep, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean you know, my first year here, uh, you know, we had them kind of set up at 6. And then yeah, started to think about,
1: it, like, that's not very uh, not very responsible of me to make my guys be there. You know, I understand, like, there's, there's a component of, like, toughness that comes with that for sure, right? But totally. You know, whether you lift at six o'clock or three o'clock doesn't mean you're getting any better. Um, you know, I think it's, is about doing the work. Right. And so we've been able to adjust it. So we have our kind of guys set up their, their lift times with our strength coach, uh, kind of based on their class schedules. Um, so it's mm-hmm. they're getting not being asked to miss a class for that. Um, so usually we have a couple of groups when we do our lifts and they come in and based on their schedules or some guys don't fit into those schedules. So they have to do stuff on their own later on, but it's mm-hmm. definitely something to pay attention to. Um, you know, the sleep side of thing is really important for our guys. Um, you know, and I know they, they spend a ton of time studying every night too. So I know it's later up later than they should be sometimes, uh, yeah. you know, back to my college days, I, you know, I was, I was, I was up way too late studying sometimes too. So you mm-hmm. know, we to trying to prioritize the right things, you know, in, in addition to nutrition and those kind of things as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me about this team in particular? Was there something specific about this team that just caught your eye that it was special and that there's a reason why they, you know, went yeah. as far as they went this year? Yeah, you know, obviously they're super
1: talented. We have some really talented guys. I think, yeah, for the first time we really had a lineup that didn't have any holes in it. Mm. Uh, maybe the you know maybe one spot in the lineup didn't didn't do as well as the others, but uh, you know we had guys from the top to the bottom that could get on base, get hit home runs. Um, you know we're really scrappy. Uh, our pitching staff uh, got older this year and obviously more experienced, and they did a better job of keeping us in games, giving us chances. And mm-hmm. you know, I think for the first time, you know, to be honest with you, Jack. Uh, after losing for so long is the first time that our guys uh, really believe that they can win games. Um, Hmm. And before having won, you know, had a winning season for the first time, I think you kind of have to teach guys how to get in that mindset and you have to go through it uh, to have them win. When we came back and won some improbable games that we probably shouldn't have won, um, but our guys believed that they could do it, you know, regardless of what the score was, um, you know, and and I think I set the tone with that. Like I I have to get them to believe in those things and then they, you know, obviously, when they do it once, they think, like, hey, man, we can do this again. We did it, did it before. So, yeah, uh, so that kind of cool thing. And I, like I said, I also, on top of that, it takes a great team chemistry of guys who really believe in each other, regardless. And they're not, you know, nobody gets down if you're losing. Uh, where in my first couple of years, years, uh, if we didn't score in the first couple of innings, that we got behind, the game was over. We kind of knew it was over. So, hmm. um, we didn't have that mindset anymore. Like, you know, our guys believe that regardless of what the score is, we have a shot.
0: Yeah. I've found that you kind of have to instill that resiliency and that motivation early on maybe. And then once like you're talking about, it starts to work a little, they start to believe in themselves and then it's like, okay. Yep. I don't even have to say anything anymore. They, the confidence is there. You can see it on a team, especially those teams where they walk in, they expect to win. It's like that. Yeah. We're expecting to win today. Like we have that in us. Um, and you, you know, we're going back to the culture part of it too, or the team chemistry piece. Like, was that something you guys had to manufacture a little bit with you and your coaching staff this season, or did it come pretty naturally? A little bit of both. Um, You know, something we've
1: worked on since
0: we've been here, right? So yeah, we try to do as many
1: things as we can to kind of build that team chemistry, have them around each other. I think that's the main thing. Mm -hmm. Some of our guys, our older guys, some of our best players, did a really great job this year of stepping up even more. So uh, they spent more time around each other, whether it was hitting in the cages or having team dinners or team movie nights over at some of the the off-campus houses. And Mm. I think that's what it really takes is guys spending time with each other and just really accepting that. You know, everybody may be a little bit different, but we're all fighting for the same cause, right? And I think the other thing that we've kind of done the last couple of years that you know, there's there's things like hero highlight hardship. You probably heard before, and yeah, you know, so we do we've done some some kind of version of that the last couple of years, and uh, as the coaches do it as well, we usually set the tone for it. So it's just mm-hmm. an opportunity for us to be a little bit more vulnerable and show that we're not perfect. and And I think our players have bought into that, and they started to really kind of um, maybe start to understand and, and, you know, have some empathy for other guys that maybe they wouldn't have before because they, they hear the stories that they've gone through and some of the things they've gone through. And it just kind of creates that closeness and unity of our group. And like I said, all those things that kind of come together. And then when you have a talented group on top of that, who believes in themselves, then, you know, good things can happen for sure.
0: Now, does that bleed into like how you recruit guys as well in terms of recruiting personality or makeup over talent? Or I obviously I know talent is still and skill is like obviously so important that is you know the game you're recruiting an athlete but does that bleed into it the makeup piece of it uh, in terms of how you recruit players?
1: Yeah, usually when I reach out to coaches, it's not about like the talent level of a kid. Uh, I can see that most people can see that. Yeah, um, you know, as long as I know that they're they have the talent to help us and academically they can uh, get in and handle our school. Mm-hmm. And my questions are usually. Uh, what kind of person are they, uh, what kind of teammate are they, and wh- how do they handle failure? Um, you know, Those are the things that I want to know because those are the guys who are yeah. going to help that. If we have guys who fall apart when things don't go their way. Then we always talk about that drama creates drama for everybody else, and somebody else has to talk you off a ledge. They're not focusing on themselves and what they can do to, to be at their peak ability for our team and themselves. And so, yeah, we want guys you – know, I don't, don't want to say that are not high-maintenance, but we want guys who are going to buy into what we're trying to do and are going to buy into being – part of the team culture and, and the we or me ma- mentality. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not easy to find, you know, always in every single person and some guys are not as good as others, but you know, hopefully over time getting to know each other. And like I said, kind of building those relationships with your teammates helps,
0: helps you kind of get on board with all those things. And you can, you can know if like that worked, you know, if you recruited that right kid, honestly, in the fall of their freshman year, because they're going to fail. Right. Like that's, it's gonna happen, and you're like, okay, like, let's watch him fail. Let's see what he does here. I would imagine, like, that's that's almost something you guys like have to do yeah. to see to see like if they can just withstand even the first test of failure, right? Like, is that something you guys intentionally try to do, like in the fall?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's intentional that we do it. We definitely look for it, and we, you know, we're definitely, okay. yeah, hoping that they have some challenges. I think we probably we probably instruct less in the fall because we want to see what guys can do. We do also mm-hmm. want to see what, what happens when they don't. Uh, things don't go their way. Uh, yes, you know, Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to run up to a guy right away and say, "Hey, here's your swing flaw. Let's fix that." Like uh, I think it's always more important. It's always more valuable to hopefully have them come to us and say, "Hey, like I'm struggling with this. You know, how can I fix it?" Then they're more open to the things we're going to talk to them about because um, they're going good and like they don't want to listen to you, right? And and you know, so that, those are always things we're looking for. But uh, you definitely can see a lot of things right away. You can see it there uh going to handle failure like you said but also, are they are also they going to compete um are they going to you know crumble when things get tough or are they going to you know you know, bat, you know bow their head and, and you know, get their head down on the ground and get after it so um, yeah. those are things that we're definitely looking to, to try to find for sure hopefully we've recruited the right kids to do that but I yeah think you for sure obviously you know when you start to see that you know then get in, in the middle of a competition
0: well and those kids like for the most part when they come into this freshman, they don't uh they don't have any experience facing guys who are, you know, four years older than them too. So like, just, that's another like, huge piece of it is saying like, Hey, look, like. The odds are stacked against you here. Like, it's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. There's nothing wrong with failing in this situation. You're supposed to, you know, and that's going to help you like actually get better. You know, well, I, I think we sort imagine.
1: Give, we certainly give our freshmen more latitude to fail. Um, you know, our older guys, yeah. hopefully they've learned from some of those mistakes and we're probably going to You know, we're not ever a program that's going to yell and scream at guys, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna let guys know, hey, like you know, this is something you should know by now, and we should figure those things out, or you know, maybe we have to look at ourselves and think maybe I haven't coached that kid very well. If that's Mm -hmm. still an issue as a freshman, we understand they're gonna fail, and we talk about that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes freshmen will play, sometimes they won't, but you know, regardless, they have to look at it again. It's a little bit different than what they did in high school because they always had somewhere to play. Maybe they don't play, but they have to look at it as a four-year journey, and that by the end of this thing. You're trying to get to your peak ability, and that's the important thing. If you're doing it, you're getting your peak ability as a freshman, and you don't get any better then I don't know. That's that's anything better than, you know, than than trying to continue to get uh, get better every single year and, and increase that ability. So, there's definitely some challenges that you see right away, but mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, guys, like I said, we recruited that that can handle those things pretty well.
0: Does the transfer portal come into effect at all for you guys? Do you guys have to worry about that? And you know even protect players from going into it right now? Cause I know that's something that a lot of coaches have frankly had to add to their skill set in terms of, you know, literally almost recruiting the players that they already have.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily think about that side of things, but I always feel like I'm trying to recruit my players. I'm always trying to create that they want to be a part of. Um, And then obviously, you know, you, you can kind of see that at the end of the season when you have exit meetings and talk to kids and, um, you know, we, we really don't look at a transfer portal. I, I'm not going to get most of those kids to come to our school. Um, to be honest with you, I'd probably rather have guys that I can, um, uh, have in our program for four years to really kind of have them have the experience that I want to give them and, and mm. to mold a little bit too. But, um, you know, I, I definitely think we have some guys that are out playing in a really good league this year. And I said, Hey, you know, if you go out, I want you to promise me you're coming back. <laughs> and they're like, hey coach, we love there. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, well, it's, it's a, it's a wild, wild west out there right now. So people are approaching people all over the place. So. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully I've created an environment that kids don't want to leave. They want to be a part of. And, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously, you know, I think, you know, now that we've started to have some success on the field, I think people are really going to you know want to be a part of that regardless of, you know, who who's asking them to maybe do some other different things. So,
0: yeah. What about junior college? Does that come into effect for you? Do you look at junior college players at all?
1: Yeah. You know, obviously we try to, um, you mm-hmm. know, usually later in the process, maybe we didn't find a high school guy that we wanted to. Uh, I think it's difficult. A lot of the kids that go to junior colleges are maybe looking to get to the higher level or maybe the financial side of things or the academic side of things were hindrances to them coming to our schools in the first place. So it's, yeah. it's a little difficult at our school, but, um, it's definitely something we're open to. Um, you know, obviously the kid who's had a couple of years to grow and, and develop as a baseball player, I, I think can add a lot of value to your program. Um, it yeah. just hasn't, so we've really had a chance to take advantage of yet.
0: Well, I guess it kind of makes your job a little bit easier too, because it, allows you to have kids all come in the same way. Like you said, you want to have them for four years. That really is kind of the, the secret formula is like getting them for all that time and really like embedding them into the program. It, I mean, there's a reason why so many top programs, like they don't go get portal guys or they don't go get too many junior college guys because they rely on that development piece so heavily. So well, I mean, it's I get, not, it's it not makes so it much of I decent. guess.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it gets back to that team chemistry piece, too, right? When you got the guys coming mm, in, yeah. all the, that's weird. We had a couple guys. We had a guy who uh, went to the, uh, did our master's program at our law school, um, played at oh. Grinnell for four years. Riley came in last year and played. And, mm-hmm. you know, luckily Riley was a, a great fit for our program and knew some guys in our program already, but you never know when you're bringing in somebody who's not been around the program, what that's going to be like. Um, you know, and, yeah, you know, he did a great job of fitting in, but, um, you know, I, I think more than anything else, it's just, it helps that chemistry a little bit more. And I've, I've heard a lot of programs, you know, right now, especially at the upper levels who are bringing in guys out of the transfer portal and their chemistry has gone down because, you know, we got all these new guys and it's hard to build that, you know, in, in a short period of time. You know, we don't get a ton of time with our guys uh, going into the season. And so,
0: yeah,
1: um, having guys that are around for a long time just kind of helps with that.
0: There is one player that you mentioned that I actually wanted to ask about. I wrote it down to ask about Jack Thompson. He won National Player of the Year, didn't he? Yeah, so d three baseballcom dot uh, gave him National Player of the Year. Yeah, we haven't seen yeah.
1: what's going to happen with the ABCA group, but yeah, so it's pretty special. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, Jackson Jackson's a special player. You know, he's yeah. I, I don't say he's a once in a lifetime guy that I get to coach, but it may be, and you know, if it is, I'll, I'll be I'm extremely grateful that I got to I have him in our program. He's you know he set thirteen school records in the last two years, and and uh, he you know he's a special player. He's going to University of Portland
0: next year to continue his career and get his MBA. Um, so yeah, he's uh he, he's a pretty talented kid. So, and you had him, you know, his entire career, right? You've had him all four years, correct? Five years. Yeah. He, he came back for his fifth year this year. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Because of COVID, I'm assuming. covid that out- years, yeah. Okay. I see. So, I mean, what was he like out of high school? Was he, what, did you know this kid was going to be special right away? I mean, what was the, you know, can you, can you just take me through kind of the progression of how he became, you know, such a monstrous, uh, you know, offensive, yeah. you know, player?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think Jack. I knew he was talented coming out of high school. Uh, I actually recruited him because uh, he was a pretty good athlete as an outfielder. Um, mm. But he came and was like, "Hey, coach, you know, I, I really prefer third base, and we needed a third baseman too." So I was like, "All right, let's go." And he ended up starting at third base and hitting in, a, in the three hole as a freshman. And uh, you know, there was definitely some peaks of greatness there, but there was definitely some struggles too. He struck out quite a bit as a freshman and uh, didn't have the ability to CTC right and control of the controllables as well as we'd like to. And and I think that kind of got to him a little bit, but every year you could see the progress. And I think the big jump for him came like during COVID, uh, you know, when hmm. everybody kind of had that, that time to uh, kind of go home and do whatever. And uh, he just really dedicated himself in the weight room. And he went from 185 pounds to 230 pounds uh, where he is now. And oh my uh, you know, gosh, when you, when you add that kind of weight on your, your body uh, you know, you know, that those balls are going to start to leave the yard that you could go off the wall. And yeah. And, help, you know. and, and there's a lot of other things for Jack too. Like, uh, honestly, the people talk about him this year, but last year I think he was actually better. Um, you know, he didn't hit as many home runs, but he hit four fifty, Um And it was, it was like Barry Bonds. People laugh at me when I say that, but he would literally get three pitches to hit a weekend and he'd hit a home run, a double, and then maybe get out on another pitch or hit another double. It was, it was incredible. Um, and he's got elite strike zone discipline. He's got elite hand-eye coordination where he can take two pitches for strikes and still do some damage. Uh, hmm. you know, and, but you know, the thing about Jack that, people don't really get to see all the time is that not only was he a great player and did great things on the field for us, but uh, he changed our program in terms of his work ethic. Uh, you know, you don't put on a hmm. you know, 35 pounds or whatever he put on, uh, you know, or maybe even more for him uh, yeah. working. Right. And it was, it was interesting last year. Our guys were getting kind of confident. They were lifting in the off season and Jack wasn't here in the fall. Cause he had to take a semester off and he was up at line and uh, doing some stuff at there. And then he came back one day and they were doing their testing. And, uh, guys were getting pretty confident about what they're doing. And he started kind of laughed at him and went over and, and deadlifted 650 pounds. Like it was nothing. So, uh, you know, that's the kind of guy he is, but like I oh said, more else. like his work ethic helped. But the thing that I loved about him this year is that he took more of a vocal leadership with our, with our team, uh, in the dugouts during the last couple of weeks, like, uh, he was just willing our guys, you know, and, and supporting our guys. And we always talk about leadership being the ability to look past yourself and see the big picture. And, and he did that this year. Um, and so, you know, definitely the numbers on the field were huge, but people don't get to see the other stuff. And on top of that, he's a pretty good third baseman. You know, I don't think he gets credit for that either. Uh, he's got a, a plus-plus hmm. arm and made a lot of great plays for us over the years. And so just an all-around super talented guy, great great guy, and, and somebody who I think is going to be remembered not only for what he did on the field, but for the teammate he was off the field as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, he does kind of sound like a once-in-a-lifetime type of player. I mean... <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope not. Now, <laughs>
1: we have some really good players right now that... Get yeah. a little overshadowed by
0: him, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, but he's definitely one of those special, special guys. So, did you get to work with him at third base too, or just the hitting side? Because you work with the hitters, right?
1: Yeah, so I, uh, up until this year, I always coached the infield, so we definitely worked on that. And okay, the uh, I always joke with Jack. Uh, his freshman fall, like he couldn't catch a cold. Uh, he was not very good at third, and then uh, he came back from winter break, and all of a sudden, he had made all these adjustments on his own, just through his own work ethic, and he really made himself into a great third baseman. Uh, he took some of the things that I talked to him about, but also did some work on his own and um, and really kind of just made that next step. So, um, you know, in the hitting side of stuff, I didn't really coach hitters until this year. We had another guy, oh, Coach okay. Prado, that really helped him. And, and Coach Prado went uh, – he's working with the Padres now in the minor leagues for them. But I think those two really hit it off, and, and that really kind of helped with Jack's metamorphosis as well, where he really started to understand his swing and what he needed to do to do damage. And,
0: mm-hmm. and that, that, that duo really kind of clicked. and and Jack's just kind of carried it forward since then. So in terms of day-to-day for you, are you overseeing everything more so? You said this year you started to dive into instructing the hitters more so, right? Uh, more about personnel than anything else. So, Okay, yeah. I mean, I've always had some some
1: part of the hitting stuff, but okay. I kind, of like, kind of really build that that camaraderie amongst the guys and him be the hitting guy the last couple of years. And then he left mm-hmm. this fall, so uh, it was on me to kind of take over that stuff and – Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Another guy, uh Rob Vance to come in and coach with me and and he's done a great job with our infielder. And so I gave him the infield. I used to do infield and catching too, and now I just do mm. catching and everything. So uh it's allowed me to step back a little bit and see the bigger picture again. You know, I've mentioned that a couple times, and and so having that that view of the bigger picture as the head coach is important. My first year here I tried to coach all the defensive positions, um, uh, like I did when I was assistant coach, and you just can't do that as a head coach. And so Ew. it's gradually been a process, but I think we're in a good spot now where we have a you know a coaching staff that can really help our guys and and I can get the most out of myself as well.
0: Well and it probably goes kind of unnoticed a lot of the time like how much you guys have to really oversee. It's yeah. it's not just your players like you guys have to Oh my gosh. I mean, can you can you just like maybe give a little bit of a taste of just like all the stuff that you have to oversee because you know, I I've just I've just sure. I mean from afar.
1: Yeah, I, you know I think you can make it as little or as much as you want to. Uh I probably mm-hmm. make it a lot more than I should. Uh, for my my wife will tell you that I <laughs> I make it a lot harder than I need to. But yeah, you know, like I said, I want to create a program that's uh that is highly respected, but also that our kids love to be a part of. And so you know, I'm always trying to do the team culture thing. The recruiting piece is all pretty much on me. So that's to be honest with you, that's probably sixty percent of my life. Um, is just the recruiting priest and it goes all year round, right? It never stops. People always ask, like, oh you know, like when do you start recruiting? Like <laughs> Already did, you know, never <laughs> often, so. five years ago actually. Yeah, so that's a that's <laughs> big piece. Luckily for us, we're only looking at seniors, so I don't have to worry about you know eighth mm-hmm. graders and those kind of things. But still, that's a lot of kids. And then, yeah, you know, obviously the administrative side of things, preparing things. You know, I, I'm I'm responsible not only for our players but our coaching staff and trying to help them have what they need uh, to be successful. Uh, not only as coaches, but to make sure that their lives aren't totally disrupted by being a part of our program. Most of them work for little to nothing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And obviously, you know, you're trying to work on field maintenance. Obviously, we have a big project happening with our field, so that's a lot of other things. I do all of our social media stuff, um, you know, trying to brand our program. So, okay, you know, all this kind of stuff out there. That again, you can maybe hand off a little bit, but uh, I, I'm probably a little bit of too much of a control freak to do that. And yeah, um, I, I feel like <laughs> I do a pretty good job of those things, and I enjoy doing them. So yes, it probably creates more work than I should for myself, but mm. you know, outside of my family, this is what I do. Um, you know, I love it. I love it every day. I can honestly say, in the six years I've been at Lewis Clark, I've not 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 look forward to going to work uh one day you know it's been some days i wish i was at work and i'm not so um it's, it's definitely been an amazing place to work and an amazing group of kids to to be involved with for sure
0: and what position did you play in college i was a
1: pitcher yeah but pitcher. I, don't, I, I don't like coaching pitchers it bores me so uh i've never really coached pitchers ever since so
0: okay that's not the answer i expected <laughs> that's yeah. funny because you said you worked with like infielders catchers i'm like Okay, so I wonder what he, like position he was. I mean, okay, but pitcher.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I you do, played I at Willamette, right? At, what's that? You played at Willamette, right? I played at Willamette. Yeah. yeah, Willamette. Is that how you pronounce it? Willamette. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah.
2: Dang it! Yeah. Oh my god.
0: That's right. You're not the first one to do it. So. Dang yeah. it. Okay. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Played at Willamette, and then you were drafted as well. Yeah. Right by the Rangers. Yeah. With, with Texas. Yeah. Can you talk about a little bit just about like your pro ball experience?
1: Yeah, uh, you know, that's my whole life pretty much. I wanted to be a pro athlete, and when I was 16, I realized that baseball was my sport, and uh, so I worked very hard, like I said, to get there. Uh, it was a, it was an amazing opportunity that I got to to be able to do it. I got to see the entire country, and, um, you know, it was definitely a lot of fun. It was also uh, very difficult. Uh, you know, the grind of, of minor league baseball is really tough, and I was, I'm, a, I'm a warrior, so I worried about way too many things, and, uh, you know, I, I probably worried myself out of a career a little bit, and to be honest with you, at the end, I couldn't handle the failure. Um, you know, I, I was probably at the top of my level. I wasn't a big prospect. I had some success, but, you know, I was playing, you know, high A and, you know, coming out of the bullpen and had a 60-year A, and I kind of knew that my career was probably starting to end, and um, so, like I said, I, I don't regret a single day of it. Um, you know, it was a great opportunity. I met some great people, and like I said, I got to see a lot of great things, but, um, you know, I think when I got released, um, there was probably, um, you know, the world's way of of telling me that I was meant to do something else. And I feel like what I'm doing now is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing.
0: I was going to ask if you knew at any point in time before you started coaching or before you stopped playing baseball that you wanted to be a coach eventually, or if it kind of just happened.
1: Yeah. My mom always joked that I was going to be a teacher and a coach. And I said, no way it's not happening. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, you know, I I went to school for journalism and that was kind of something I wanted to do. I want to be a writer and Mm. Uh, luckily I got to play baseball. And then as I got into, you know, later in my career in, in the pro ball and, and at the end of my college career, even like, you know, I started to realize that, you know, coaching might be something I wanted to do. And, you know, I ended mm. up that I was a teacher and a coach for, you know, for 10 years. So, yeah, uh, it's pretty crazy how my mom was right on that, you know, again. But, uh, you know, I think I was always trying to, I was always trying to pay attention to the game, even in pro ball, uh, the things outside of pitching. Like I said, I, you know, I don't really coach pitchers. I do everything else. But uh, I wanted to see how other instructors were coaching those kind of things. Uh, you know, myself and I want our other coaches to be able to be as diverse as possible in the way that we instruct um, so we can try to reach as many different kids and give as many kids different opportunities on ways to do things. Right. You yeah. don't have to do it exactly my way. My my first couple of years coaching, I was a my way or the highway guy just because that's all I knew. And I couldn't help you if you tried to do something a little different. And now it's a different world. And so mm-hmm. uh, but I was always trying to pay attention to those kind of things so I could be a little bit more you know, knowledgeable on, you know, outfield player or infield player, those kind of things, too.
0: It's always kind of weird too, especially as a pitcher, at least for me, um, when I have no relationship with any of the other coaches besides the pitching coach, I like my favorite teams being like, would be the closest in terms of, I can also talk to the infield coach about things mm-hmm. or the hitting coach about things, you know, or even just my head coach really about, about anything, you know? So it's funny. You mentioned like the whole wanting to be like diverse and frankly, it's about being accessible to every player. Right. Sure. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's, um, you know, it's my job to make sure that uh,
1: I can create a great experience for everybody. And it's going to be individualized for everybody. If you just try to put one thing out there for everybody, it's not going to fit everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, as a teacher, you know, they always talk about not trying to teach to the middle and trying to reach the top one kids and the kids who are struggling, that was difficult. But as a coach, I want to do the same thing. And it takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it takes a lot of organization. And I think it takes a lot of experience to be honest with you. I don't think I could have done it as a young coach, but, um, those are things I'm trying to do is trying to, like I said, be as
0: diverse as I can to, to help reach as many people as I can. Okay. I want to ask about Lewis and Clark now, just, just the school as a whole. Do you have a favorite aspect about Lewis and Clark? So not necessarily program, but, yeah. but just Lewis and Clark in general.
1: You know, I'd say uh, obviously the guys in our program, cause I see them all the time, but sure. And the student athletes and just the the students in general, um, the passion they have for the things that they love is, is pretty amazing. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I joke, I was, I showed a recruit around yesterday. I was telling him about one of our guys that just graduated and, uh, you know, he's going to you know, NYU uh, on a full scholarship to do graduate program in computer science, which is not easy to get. And he's a three nine student and he comes up to me his junior year and says, Hey coach, I'm gonna be late to practice. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I have a showing coach. And I was like a showing. He's like, yeah, during COVID, uh, when I was home, I got my real estate license and I'm selling a house. So I had a player who was selling houses. Um, we had guys <laughs> doing businesses. We had guys and the same kid who was selling houses. Also, after three years of not playing the viola, was asked to play in the, the Lewis and Clark Symphony because somebody got COVID and he jumped right in like he'd been doing it his whole life. So, uh, you, know, the, uh, you know, the kids that we have are super passionate. They do so many things. Um, yeah. It's not about baseball. It's what I love about Division Three is that our kids get to have a college experience. just like any other college student. They get to have baseball on top of that. Um, And so I, I love that about Lewis and Clark. And I, like I said, I've been around other schools and met some great kids, coached some great kids, but the passion that our guys attack every day and everything with is is pretty unmatched. And so it definitely keeps me young, keeps me excited. That's part of the reason I love going to work, to get to hear these guys and what they talk about. And uh, just trying to keep up with them, I think, is,
0: is keeping me young more than anything else. It's oh, so funny you mentioned that, because I've heard a lot of college coaches talk about how it's like, okay. You have a social life, you have baseball, and then you have school. And it's like, you can really only have one-ish to two, you know? And it's like, really? Like, dang, that's it? That's all I get? I mean, uh, I get it. I understand like you want to prioritize and stuff, but I mean, shoot, you know, I would love to be playing the viola, you know, as well in the Lewis and Clark Symphony too, if I were also a baseball player. It's like, that's awesome. That's a crazy cool opportunity. Um, But I got, okay. So I got to ask now, is there a favorite piece about the program uh, as well? I mean, I know we've already talked at length, you know, about, about the program, but like, yeah, I guess what is your favorite aspect about it?
1: Man, uh, I don't know if I can just pick one. Uh, I know
0: it's hard, right?
1: Something that really came up this year, Jack, to be honest with you is uh, all the comments and uh, emails and texts that I got from alums who really struggled as baseball players here for a long time, right? They, they didn't have any success on the field. Hmm. Uh, and to see the joy that they got from us having success, and you know, all over the country, all over the world, guys are talking about watching our games online. Uh, you know, we had a number of alums come up for the conference tournament. We had a number of alums, uh, you know, uh, come into our senior day, which was really cool to see, you know, at the end of the year when we clinched kind of the, the chance to go to the conference tournament. And, you know, like I said, these are guys that, that didn't have – the success that i wanted for them on the baseball field they wanted but uh, it gave me some validation that the way we're doing things is the right way because those people want to come back and be a part of it still they could have said man that was a terrible experience we sucked and and i want to move on but they still make the effort some guys coming from like said like texas and different places to to come be a part of it. that's pretty special and um you know hopefully like i said we're going to continue to build that and then my time here and hopefully there's a lot more time for me at lewis and clark but you know those are the things that are important to me like the kids had a a good enough experience that they want to come back and still be a part of it. Uh, every year we have an mm-hmm. alumni game. And it's awesome to see those kids come back. And, you know, regardless of, you know, our relationship when we had what it was like when they were here, um, you know, they, they appreciate what, what happened here um, and win or lose. They appreciate that. And uh, like I said, uh, hopefully we made their life a little better. And hopefully we put them on the right road to having a great life. That's not only going to be great life for them, but you know, they're going to make an influence on everybody else as well.
0: Yeah. The alumni base is, it's so important for a program, and yeah, I mean, maybe most players don't see that a whole lot because it's like they're not on the field. What are you talking about? Yeah, like, but I'm thinking about you know my you know alma mater at Tulane, Jay, uh, who's the head coach. He would send emails with like updates about like things that were happening. I'm like, this is so nice to feel like I'm involved and like there's actually some sort of like you know, family sort of aspect to it, you know, and like, then once a player can kind of see that they're like, oh, wow, this is a big deal. This is like a way bigger than I even thought it would ever be. So, I mean, yeah, you're definitely on the right path in terms of, you know, culminating that in a program. Um, and definitely have, their time here is kind of a tip of the iceberg, right? And then they yeah. get out and
1: realize that there's, there's you know, hundreds of other people that had the same experience as them. They're in a group now. So mm-hmm. it kind of expands their, their, uh, their network of people for sure.
0: Oh yeah. Especially at alumni games. I mean, those are crazy. Those are always good time. Uh, Okay. I have one final question and it's funny because you just mentioned that you were taking a recruit around. I love asking coaches this all the time. Do you have like a recruiting story that kind of just highlights, you know, just the rigors of what your guy's job is? Um, It could be like a huge success story, just something weird that happened. Maybe could have been a trip that you took. Where you're like, okay, wow, yeah, this is uh, this is what I want to do, or this is I didn't, I would never have expected this to happen in a million years of of being a recruiting, you know, uh, coordinator for a college baseball team. Do you have a story for that? Oh man, that's
1: tough. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because every year when we have our senior banquet, like
0: I think about mm. the recruiting
1: story for those kids, the kids that I did recruit, and yeah, uh, you know, it's interesting. Like we talked about Jack Thompson, and uh, when Jack came to visit. Uh, I actually was gone. It was during Thanksgiving, and I had mm. just hired a new pitching coach, um, maybe like four days before, who didn't know hardly anything about our school, and he had to show him around. Uh, oh so, boy! Like, you know, he showed him around, and like obviously, he did a good job. And uh, you know, Jack, uh, I think our school sold itself when you walk around the campus. It's, it's an amazing place, and mm-hmm. and the other work that we had done. So that was kind of a crazy story to feel like you know that uh, you know it could have gone way wrong because of that, and then it ended up that Jack came and has really kind of changed the fortunes of our program. So. Uh, you know, it's it's ways it's it's interesting how the world works, right? Uh, oh. that, that's that's definitely uh, an interesting story for sure. <sighs>
0: that could, yeah. Now I'm thinking about that. That I mean, did, wait, is that coach still there? Is that pitching coach still with you guys? No, he's uh, he's
1: at another program in, in our conference now. So yeah,
0: oh, I was gonna say you should give him a, you <laughs> yeah. know, he deserves a raise or something like that. I, I
1: Still like, like, man. Oh yeah. He, unfortunately. Uh, he had a, he had to face him for three years, and he hit plenty of home runs off his guys, so he wasn't too happy about that part, but he's oh, happy to man. see yeah. I keep joking about, like, I'll, I'll be happy when these COVID years are gone because there's some guys in our conference that I don't want to see anymore, but it also helped us with Jack, and everybody tells me, like, hey, you, you had Jack for five years, so please stop talking about that, so I'll,
0: I'll shut up now. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny, too, because it's going to be for everyone. It's going to be wholesale. Okay, we're all going back to the, you know, 18 to 22. We, we don't have any more. It's six yeah. years. We don't have a boatload yeah. of those and a whole starting lineup of 24 year olds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for when that day comes, honestly, like, uh, cause there's guys that are older than me pitching in the college world series right now. That's crazy. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Don't want to take too much uh, more of your time, but Matt, this has been awesome. Like, thank you for coming on the show, like breaking it down. Like, you know, Personally had to do some research, you know, and know a lot about you guys. And I hope the listeners got a really good taste of what you guys are all about. And personally, I like the sound of it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for this week's episode of Player to Prospect. And we will see you next week. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode with Matt Kozderka. If you guys enjoyed the episode, don't be afraid to like it, follow the podcast, share it with a friend any of the three works, I appreciate all the love and support. And with that, we will see you next time on Player to Prospect.